This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. And no, Jack Fritz, my voice has not gotten any better. I'm still fighting this thing, but... The Phillies are actually making moves in December this time. We have to talk about them. Sir Didi is here. Sir um, Didi, huh? I like that. I'm so... Well, he's actually knighted. Like, like Didi Gregorius is actually a knight, if if we want to be serious about this. I mean, um, it's not every day the Phillies can go out and sign a guy that is both very good at baseball and also a knight. He's really but, a knight? Yeah, he's really knighted. Yes. Where? Sir, wow. he's it's actually Sir Didi Gregorius. I'm, I'm not lying. Okay. Um, you would never lie to the High Hopes listeners. I have never lied to the High Hopes listeners, and I don't plan on starting now. Um, certainly about so, certainly not about something so ridiculous. And so, so, and so easily look upable. Yes. Um, now, ever since he's been signed by the Phillies, which is now uh, a couple hours old, I've had the same. So you remember my weird um, brand new Pavetta thing? Of course. So I have a yeah, new who, one. Who could ever forget such a strange thing? So I have a new one, and I don't know if we have ever discussed this on the High Hopes podcast, but are you a Biggie or Tupac guy? Biggie. Yes, yeah, I don't really care, but I do like <laughs> Tupac. <laughs> I don't really like it. Does I I like both of them? I know. I like, do too. Exactly. No, I really do. I think I think they were both absolutely unbelievable. I I just I'm a Biggie guy, but I agree with you. I think Tupac's great too. So you know the one Biggie song that starts off like where it's like Notorious. You know that one? Yep. Yeah, no. No. Notorious. Yeah. Yeah, so so for and Jill's sitting right next to me. I'm um, yeah, I, I can see where this is going with the gr- gr- Gregorius. Yeah, so I've just been walking around downtown Ardmore, just being like Gregorius, Gregorius. How does Jill deal to, with you? Uh, I don't know. Jill's Jill's holding up, but we were standing at a red light, and I did it for like I don't know, at least the hundredth time of the night, and she snapped, and um, you know. She uh she's not gotten over the Gregorius, but it's okay. You know, tough times don't last. Tough people do. Um, and uh, I'm just I'm very I'm very excited that that Didi is here. Um, I love that he turned down Gabe and the Giants, and I love they turned down Ben Harris and the Brewers, <laughs> and I love that he turned down the Reds because the Reds are pointless. Um, and I just. I'm just excited to watch that dude play baseball. And, like, all my Yankees fan friends say the same thing. Like, Didi's the best. You're going to love him. And I'm just excited to learn to love Didi Gregorius. Yeah, I, I was going to make the Yankee fan two point two. All my Yankee fan buddies just love the guy. Like, I actually got a text back when I was just like, what should I think of Didi? And it, the text back was actually, I love him. Like, literally. Like, they uh, – they they are big DD fans. He has some had some uh, big postseason home runs for them too, which you love. And um, look, he's a really good baseball player, and and he'll be the best shortstop they've had defensively since who? Jack? Since J Roll? I was gonna say uh, <laughs> Freddie. 
already. But um, he's he's a really, uh, you know, whatever the phrase gold glove caliber means, like he's that, you know, he's a really good defensive shortstop. Um, you know, he's not Andrelton Simmons, so he's not going to win a gold glove in the American League or anything like that. But he's a really good defensive shortstop and also a really good hitting shortstop. I mean, he's got a lot of pop. He had, what, 26 homers, a couple, 25 homers uh, in 17, 27, and 18. Hit 16 homers in 82 games last year after coming back for the Tommy John. Um, he's got some pop. He's a, a solid hitter. He's, a, a, you know... Yeah, uh, the strikeout rate went up a little bit last year. Walk rate went down, but usually pretty consistent in those areas throughout the rest of his career. Um, he's just a really good baseball player. He is a really good baseball player. And I think that um, something that's going to make Phillies fans very, very excited, um, and this is from Alex Fast on Twitter. So Didi Gregorius has 110 career homers. 92% of those home runs have been pulled home runs. Citizens Bank Park allowed the eighth most home runs to lefties in 2019, um, which is the third most in NL ballparks. So that's huge, um, huge for Didi. And I think I think Citizens Bank Park it ranks as the um, I think it's the eighth most friend. Okay, um, so this is from Alex Bass as well uh, as well. For those curious as to where Yankee Stadium ranked for pulled fly balls to lefties. So it ranked 11th in baseball and pulled fly balls for lefties. Huh, um, I would so have guessed it was way higher with that short porch. Right, but Citizens Bank Park was 7th. So um, for lefty hitters, Citizens Bank Park was actually better. Um, for that is surprising. I'm actually genuinely surprised by that. So am I. So am I. But like he had multiple 25-plus home run seasons with the Yankees. Um, obviously, Yankee Stadium is kind of – its own animal. I mean, some balls get out of there that are ridiculous, but it's not like Citizens Bank Park balls don't go out of. So, um, just the they they legitimately added a 25 home run threat, a really really good defensive shortstop, and a just phenomenal clubhouse guy today. And they they really are building a a clubhouse that I think people are going to want to be around for 162 games a year. You know, I mean, I think that's the big thing that they learned from 20. 18 was how clubhouse culture matters and sure Carlos Santana is a a good clubhouse guy some of those teams or some of those guys that came in the deadline just did not mesh well with the the rest of the guys in that clubhouse they kind of figured it out last year when they brought in McCutcheon obviously Bryce Harper is a good clubhouse guy in adding Didi Gregorius you're just adding another fantastic clubhouse guy so um they're they're building a team that is I just think it's going to be so likable on the field, but just as likable off the field, especially if, you know, McCutcheon comes back from that injury. I think that injury was definitely a fluke injury. Like you, you just don't see torn ACLs in baseball that often. Um, they're building it. They're building a, a, a team that I think Philadelphia is going to really enjoy watching every night. I think that's what Didi's going to bring. I think Didi's going to bring really, really strong play from the shortstop position. I think he's going to get the balls. He's going to make some plays that are just like, man, that's just, crazy from a defensive perspective from a shortstop and i don't know man i don't know i've watched a lot of dd highlights the last couple <laughs> days i've been getting ready for this i'm i i'm i'm surprised it's only one year but as you've said many times james there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal you're damn it right may, it may only be one year but 
you know, that's fine. You know, it's it's good for him. He gets to hopefully rebuild some if he can if he can come in here for one year, rebuild his value, turn into a a, a stud again here. Like that's a that's a win for the Phillies. And they can decide if they want to keep him or whatnot. And guess what? If they let him walk after this one year, they're going to get a good comp pick for him. Like you would think they'd be at least be able to at least get a good comp pick for him. He you know, offer him a qualifying offer or whatnot. So it's really just a win-win all around. It moves Segura off the shortstop, gets him to play second base, um, where I just think that's where he kind of profiles at this point of his career. You know, last year he made 20 errors at shortstop. He's not really an everyday shortstop anymore to let him go to second base. Uh, you know, if you can, you're basically adding a 300 hitter at second base, which I think is huge. If you can get 25 plus home runs for shortstop and then, Kingery at third base. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's stick on Didi for a second. Let's stick on Didi. I know. Come you're, on. You're, you're getting through the whole lineup. You're like, we'll get there. I was going to ask you about that next. but Oh, there's so much I need to get I into. Know, but hold on. Let me respond to your clubhouse point. You're making like 10,000 points. I haven't had a chance to respond to any of them. Listen. Can I, can I, be, can I be honest, though? Can I yes, be honest? Yes, yes. I didn't take a breath during that entire time. I know. Feeling feeling a little lightheaded. I know. I, I think that you, I want to just hammer home the, the clubhouse point because I think that's really important. And especially a guy like Didi who can come in and be Girardi's guy in that clubhouse. I think that's really important for a new manager, a new staff, when they come in to just have their guys and guys who know how they like to go about things, who can maybe relay messages to other players in ways that that manager wants things done or whatever that – is just I just think that that's an added bonus to having a guy like Didi who is already like you said a culture clubhouse guy who but like also knows Joe Girardi who's in a new spot and we've talked about the respect that Girardi's going to command in the locker room I think having a guy like Didi choose the Phillies over other teams to come play with Girardi I think that only enhances that as well so I just think I'm with you. I think it's a win-win from every perspective. And like you said, it is a one-year prove-it deal, which I, I think there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. And a one-year prove-it deal is an even better type of deal. And $14 million is a really fair price for Didi. So now, Jack, let's move on to what it means for the rest of kind of the situation. So you seem pretty – I came in thinking this definitely means – Kingery at third and Segura at second. I just don't think Segura has the arm or really defensive prowess to stick at third, and I just think Kingery's better there. Do you think it's a lock that kind of plays out that way, or, or there? You know, we'll get into some of the other rumors, but if if they don't add a big name, which we'll get into, do you think it it plays out that way with the guys they have now? Yeah, I, I just think that they they wanted to move Segura off a of shortstop, get him to second base, and then. You know, Kingery can play third, and then if Bohm looks like he's just hitting the cover off the ball down in AAA, he seems like he can maybe hold down third base. They bring him up, and then it turns into a rotation of Kingery, Hazley, Bohm, and just kind of play it out, whether Kingery's in center field, Kingery's at third base. Hazley takes another step forward. Like, there's there's a lot of interesting ways where this, where this could play out, and... Uh, like I'm just I'm just excited to see I'm excited to see this all kind of work like it it didn't really make too much sense to me um you know without adding a DD into the fold um like it, they just it felt like they were missing something but now that you add in DD you let Segura play second base you let Kingery play third base like 
that's a pretty strong infield. That's a this is a pretty strong infield. That's something that you can you can win with. Um, hopefully, it's a strong offensive infield too. Like a real for those. I mean, that's some bats at at certainly. I know Kingery maybe a a lighter hitting third baseman comparatively, but a, but a good bat, but. A middle infield of Segura and Didi from an offensive perspective is is pretty high end, right? And I think Segura is only gonna, I think his defense is only gonna go up in value as he moves to second base. Like I don't think he, like he's not a disaster of a shortstop. He's just like he can't get to the same kind of balls. And I just think that if he has less responsibility at second base, like you're going from a guy who can, who can definitely play shortstop. Uh, in in Gene Segura to putting him at second base and replacing a guy like Cesar Hernandez, who I mean we saw last year he had he had the mental lapses in the field, um, and his offense took a hit. And you're you're replacing that with Gene Segura, who was an All Star a year ago. And I know oh, he's an All Star as a shortstop a year ago. So I know that uh, we are down ish on Segura, and I think they would if they could move him. I think they would. I just, I'm not sure he's gonna. Uh, uh, Agree to it, no yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, going from Cesar Hernandez to to Gene Segura is a is a pretty significant upgrade. And then going from Segura to Didi Gregoras is also an upgrade. And then going from Michael Franco to, to Scott anybody, Perry, a living, breathing baseball player, <laughs> is an upgrade. It's so an upgrade. Th- they really, they really upgraded all around on the infield. Uh, and for for only one year of Didi. I mean, you have no idea. Like, maybe, maybe even it it would be a really, really fast track for for Bryson Stott to be available next year at opening day. Um, but he is obviously a college guy. He he hit right away when he came to Williamsport. So you never know. I mean, you never know if Bryson Stott is able to go next year, or Didi just plays out of his mind and and he loves playing for Joe Girardi, and they just keep him around and and let him continue to kind of grow. Um, with this core, it's again, there's, there's no such thing as a, as a bad one year deal. And it's, uh, it's a, it's an exciting day. It's, and it's, it's really, for me, it's cool that guys want to play for Joe Girardi. Like it's cool that, yeah, I think that's super cool. Like the guys in New York love playing for him so much that they want to come play for him in a brand new city. And it, it, it certainly seems like, like a guy like Dylan Batances could be next. Um, Didi is kind of just a start, and it, listen, listen. <laughs> I think the most important thing, James, is that maybe now we're becoming the Philadelphia Yankees rather than the Philadelphia uh, yeah, Orioles. Yeah, that's true. And he uh, and Middleton is becoming Steinbrenner, just not in the way we thought. He's just getting Steinbrenner players, you know, like uh, uh, the other Steinbrenners. Um, yeah, we're, we're we're getting away from the Dan Duquettes, and we are going more towards the Yankees model. We hey, got Brian Barber in here. I'll know? take that. I would say hey, I'll take. Would it. you would, would you say that Didi is the third most important former Yankee that has joined the Phillies this offseason? Number one being Brian Barber. Number two being <laughs> Joe Girardi. Number three being Didi Gregorius. Number three being the guy actually playing in the 162 games. Yes. Well is done. it also fair? To, is it also fair to say that Didi Gregorius has been the most clutch Yankee shortstop in the last twenty-five years? Oh, I don't, I don't know how you couldn't say it, Jack. I mean, who Stan- else? Who else is it, is there even to to have the discussion, right? I mean, no hey, other, no maybe, other clutch guys I can think of. Maybe fifteen years from now, there will be a Hall of Fame vote where people are only voting for Didi Gregorius. <laughs> 
I, uh, I look, I, I'm with you. I think, I think you kind of nailed on, on pretty much everything from, from the D perspective. He just, he makes him better and he makes him better on and off the field and on, you know, in both phases of the game. Um, and, and at a position where they really need it again, it's, I think Phillies fans, and I think it's part of the reason not that we know it's part of the reason they loved Freddie Galvis so much, but it really is a, a, it means a lot when you watch a team 162 games in a year, night after night after night, to have a good defensive shortstop. I can't, you can't overrate it enough to just know that that part of the field is taken care of because it's so massively important. I think that's going to really, uh, it's going to be nice to have that back, Jack. All right, let's let's get to the other potential infield heavyweight type of uh, things that could happen. And you know where, where I come down on the likelihood of, of this first one. But uh, like right after we finished recording last time, it came out. Uh, Matt Gelb, a really good article and a, a report basically saying there was an internal directive to not go over the luxury tax. And you text me, you're like, crap, you're right. Yeah, you know. And then, like the next day, our old pal Bobby Nightingale comes out with the Scott Boris special and, uh, and uh, says that uh, the Phillies and John Middleton, luxury tax be damned, are in on Anthony Rendon. What do you make of this? What's the real story? What do you believe? Well, I mean, if you call him Anthony Rendon again, Rendon, I don't think we can do this podcast anymore. <laughs> I'm sick. Give me a pass. It came out. No, no, I, I don't. I don't think it did. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like the way that all went down in my head was like <laughs> Boris or uh, uh, John Middleton saw the the quotes or from from Matt Gelb and he saw he saw the quotes he saw the <laughs> the conversations on Twitter the next day he saw the um the the he listened to WIP the whole next day mm-hmm. uh, with people melting down about the luxury tax and I kind of envisioned you know Andy McPhail sitting there blabbering on and on to John about oh we can't do this we can't do that and then I kind of just envisioned John Middleton like <laughs> you know, like taking a pen and like slamming it against the wall and then getting really mad at Andy McPhail and like causing Andy McPhail to go into like a journal position and being afraid to, to ever speak to John again. Um, this is a and... very involved vision you've had. <laughs> I thought about it a lot. I can tell. Like, I en- I'm actually I a little worried John- about you. I envision like Andy McPhail was just talking <laughs> on and on for a couple hours about you know, we can't go over the luxury tax. We can't do this. We can't do that. And then John just being like, no, like we're going to do it. Like we're just going to go after it. We're going to, we're going to go all in. Um, my whole thing on luxury tax and it kind of did change a little bit with the, with the DD signing is that I thought they were going to go over the luxury tax for the right guy. Like I thought they'd go over it for a guy like Anthony Rendon, um, Strasburg before he signed that contract. Garrett Cole, if his market kind of fell that way, I, I thought they would go in on him. Like, I think he would pay the luxury tax for the right player. I think he would pay the luxury tax for um, a guy that would, that would kind of push this team closer to a world championship. But after the DD signing, like, it's one year, $14 million. They're only a couple million away from the luxury tax. They don't really have a choice but to go over at this point. And if, and if you're John Middleton, like – 
you're gonna go over it anyway why not go more over it you know what i mean like (laughs) cool because you get taxed more but sure no 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 but you only get taxed for it up to 240 million like it doesn't really change you know until you hit the the and look either way the tax is is a drop of the bucket for of john milton's money so to an extent but like but like if, if Not you're to no like, extent, if what's the tag? It ends up being like three million, six million, ten million max. Like, I mean, like that's nothing for John Middleton. He's a billionaire, Jack. And plus, and plus, if you go over this year, uh, we talked about this a lot. But now, even when you add in Didi, like there's more money that's going to come off the books after next season. So they could easily reset it if they do go and try to sign one of the big fish. If they if they go after Rendon or even Donaldson, like would I would I be surprised if they still continue to pursue Josh Donaldson and, and try to get him on a two or three year deal. Um, I, I, I wouldn't. Cause I, I think when, I think if John's looking at the team right now and he's like, all right, we just signed Zach Wheeler. Uh, Mac Lentzak said that they're as good of a one, two punch as there is in the NL. Yeah. Um, it's like Matt. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I know, I, I, I know a lot of people are like, what do you expect him to say? Not that. Is the point like just don't say that? Just say, "Hey, we've got a great one-two punch." I mean, really. Here's the big problem: when there are two one-two punches in your own division, which obviously a lot of people pointed out that are better. <laughs> I mean, just rein it in a touch, Matthew. Come on, I feel he just can't help himself. Like, oh, it's uh, it's brutal, man. It's he, brutal. he did the same thing. He did the same thing last year when I was like, uh, we had an objectively excellent offseason. Yep, he can't opinion. help. You're right. You're right. He can't help. He's got. He, he's got to he self promote. He gets so confident in himself, which yes. is fine. But like, relax, Matt. Um, I now I will say like it is. If you take out the NL least, it is a good one-two punch. Like it's, a, it's a very good one-two punch. But I mean, it just you look like a fool. You look like a fool when you say it in your own division. So I think if John Mills is looking at having the best one-two punch in the history of baseball <laughs> at the top of the rotation, like I think you can kind of put away the 2010-2011 Phillies. Um, they don't even compare with the front two in this rotation. So I think if he looks at those two. I hope it was then, a Freudian slip because they're going to sign Garrett Cole and he was thinking about Cole and Nola and that's what he was right. actually talking about. Right, right. Um and he sees that he says sees Didi being brought in. Like I don't know how I don't know how you as a competitor. And when I watch John Middleton, I see his actions. Like you can kind of see the competitive fire in his eyes. And I don't know how you can be a competitor and see that your team is already like if Didi and Zach Wheeler both have good seasons. They're realistically adding two. They're adding about seven wins by adding both Wheeler and and Didi. I I legitimately think they're adding about seven wins. I mean, Didi's been a four-win player back in 2017 and 2018. Each of those two years, he was a four-win player, and Zach Wheeler was a four-win player last season. He was even more than that in in 2018. You're adding two four-win players. They're legitimately, at a minimum, they're seven wins better than they were last year. I don't know how you can get to that point. And just not try to take it over the top. And I know it's money. I know luxury tax. I know that. But the penalty in the Phillies going over the luxury tax this offseason would be about the equivalent of signing a, a crappy middle reliever. Like, just just go over it. Just go over it and just get you a step closer. 
Like Klentak's job's on the line. And kind of I I would I do want to give some credit to Matt Klentak so far this offseason in that he hasn't, you know, jeopardized the future for his own personal gain. Like this could realistically be Matt Klentak's last offseason. He's not going so hellbent to where it's like it's like he's clearly just a desperate GM trying to make the playoffs next season. He's been pretty tactical in his in his decisions. Like we the Wheeler so far, a, so far, so far, so far. But the Wheeler contract looks like a lot at, at the moment. But yeah, like, it looks better after the Strasburg contract. Like the Strasburg contract is just insane. It's man. crazy. It's crazy. Seven two forty five. Yeah, I think. I mean I, I mean, I think I'd rather pay Wheeler five. For, I never thought I. We said before. I think I'd rather have Strasburg no matter what. I might. I don't know for sure that I definitely have rather have Wheeler in his contract, but I think I would. I'm just excited for the post, like, like when the Scherzer contract runs out, the wheel or the uh, Strasburg, the Corbin. Like, what is that team? Like, what is that team gonna be? Well, and it's <laughs> the reason they can't sign Rendon. You know, I mean, that, and, and um, but yeah, it's really it's it. Look, they won a World Series, so I think, and and that guy was the hero, so I think that has to fa- you know did factor in and whatnot, but um. I think ultimately the back end of that contract is not going to be great, Jack. No, especially it was it was like one it was it was one real year where he was going. Yeah, yeah, one year and then a magical run. But um, you know, I'm I'm less uh, of a cockeyed optimist when it comes to John Middleton and and the belief that he's going to go all in. But I do. I think what you're saying makes logical sense. Like the idea that they're only a couple million below, a few million below, wherever they're at right now. Um, and they just still have holes to fill. I mean, are they not going to get another starter? Are they not going to get any relief pitchers? I know that there are still potential trades to make and maybe they can get creative, but they don't have any salary to like unload. You know, they don't have any of those contracts where it's like, oh, we'll give you this guy. And like, we've talked about them trading Reese Hoskins. Like he's one of the cheapest guys on the team, you know? So I, uh, I don't, I, I agree with you logically. I still need to see it happen, especially after, you know, all the local beats are talking about the, the, um, you know, that they're going to keep it below and, uh, you know, but look, Scott Boris is out there at the winter meetings right now saying, oh, Middleton's going to spend, trust me. Uh, so, you know, who knows? I I hope you're right. I'm less optimistic just because I need to see it happen. But right now, I am. I, I don't believe it's going to happen until it does. I think it's more likely that if he does go over, he's just going to go over with the signings they have to make and that they're not going to go crazy. But, man, I hope I'm wrong. I want Anthony Rendon... So bad. I don't believe that they are the mystery team and the Garrett Cole thing is the mystery team pops up. I personally, I think the mystery team Come is, on. I think the mystery team is Scott Boris, uh, but, uh, you know, um, the Phillies are always the mystery team. Yes. Yeah, sure. That, that one time they were, they, they were, always and, are and the mystery team. Imagine if they were with Cole, that would be crazy. But there is, um, one other kind of big name that's come up and it's, it's in a trade and it's, um, something we've talked about in the past, but it, but an interesting name because it does present an interesting, you know, if you're not getting an Anthony Rendon, this isn't the worst um, consolation prize type of guy. Chris Bryant, thoughts? Uh, listen, man. 
I have not stopped watching Chris Bryan highlights for the last two days. Like I, how do you have time I, to watch all? Do you know how busy I am? I barely have time to record. I'm, when we record this podcast, I'm always like, oh, we got to keep it shorter. We never do because you know whatever. But I, I don't have time for anything. How do you have time to just sit and watch all these highlights all the time? Because it's all I care about. I know. I know. It's, it's all I, I care about. No, it's like it's like it's so weird because so last night um, I'm doing the the Eagles post game show and I don't know if you know this but um, apparently we still have a football team this time. Yes, and quarterback is clutch, <laughs> Jack, just like Didi. Yeah, I I would say that if we're if we're ranking clutch athletes in Philadelphia right now, um, I would say one is Didi Gregorius. I would say two is Carson Wentz. Um, I think that's a that's a fair one too. Agree. But so last night I'm doing the 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 Eagles post game show, and you know we're talking about some game this football team won. Um, they came back in the in the fourth quarter. And to, you're just thinking the, about Chris Bryant, are you? To to be the two and nine Giants team, it's really exciting stuff. And um, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there watching Chris Bryant highlights in the middle of the post game show. Um, and and one of the producers, Mike gets in my Angelina gets in my ear. And he's like, "What are you watching?" And I was like, "I'm just watching Chris Bryant." Like, you are the, you are something <laughs> else, man. And he he was like he's like, "What have you never seen him play before?" And I was like, "Listen, man, I just like seeing the guy play baseball and then dream as to what he would do to baseballs in Philadelphia in Citizens Bank Park." And I think the Chris Bryant stuff is real. You know, I think that I think that if you're if you're John Middleton and you don't want to shell out the money to to Anthony Rendon, but you want to add in a another blue chip offensive piece piece like my main goal this offseason this whole time has been adding another blue chipper to this to this core. And I think Zach Wheeler is a a really, really good pitcher. I think that DD is an awesome baseball player, but they are still lacking the one other blue chipper that you can pair with JT Realmuto. You can pair with Bryce Harper, um, and 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 Chris Bryant would just be that guy. And it feels like it's it feels like it's heading for a divorce out there in Chicago. You know, he's still mad about the service time thing, and obviously has that service time grievance thing to where he could be a free agent in one year. And that's drastically going to change how much the. Yeah, the I think it's highly play. unlikely he wins his grievance. Hi- highly unlikely. But I, yes, go ahead. No, I, and, and I think so too. And I just think that with with how much John Middleton and how much Scott Boris seem to love each other, how much Scott Boris, I think, I truly believe Scott Boris wants Bryce Harper to win, and how much this team is kind of kind of catered to Bryce Harper in a way. They got JT Realmuto, and even though I think in their head they were like, we're, we're getting the best catcher in baseball, I think a large part of the JT Realmuto um, trade was to bring in a guy to entice Bryce Harper to sign there. And if you get a chance to add in Chris Bryant, who's this guy who is Bryce Harper's like childhood best friend, like you're just you're just making your franchise star player that much more happy, and you're also adding in uh, a perennial MVP that I think has just been kind of sad in Chicago the last couple of years. Like I, there is another level of Chris Bryant that I don't think we've seen because I don't think he's happy 
in his situation out here, out in Chicago. And I would just love to get Chris Bryant. Like Chris Bryant would be awesome. Harper, Rio Muto, Bryant, Hoskins, Deedee, Segura, McCutcheon, Hazley. Yeah, like good. or Kanger. Like, yeah, that's good. Like, like, what are we doing here, buddy? Yeah. Like, can I start printing the World Series now? <laughs> Let's can get I it. start doing it? Can I start it. doing it? Let's not get out of ourselves. But oh, too late. That too late. That, that lineup would. I mean, I'm with you, Andre Rosette. I think. I mean, it would be amazing. It would be amazing. I think he'd be great in this ballpark. I think the points about Harper and just having a team of guys who like each other even more is is awesome. And I also think that of the big name traders, we've players we've heard in trade rumors. You know, the Lindor types, the Mookie Betts types, and might not get traded at this point. Betts and Lindor might not be this offseason, might be next offseason, which you know. The DD one year contract. That's another potential thing, uh, you know, to keep it opening for. Um, but I, I, I think of all the kind of star players, and granted, Lindor and Betts both better than Bryant, but I think Bryant um, would have the cheapest cost comparatively. Like, I think he could be the best value trade of those guys. Because of all the things you said, I think he's really unhappy in Chicago. I think he's made it very clear. I think he doesn't like that organization. He doesn't like what they did to him. He doesn't like the way it's being run. And and I think that it could be a situation where that plays to his advantage in terms of getting traded out of town for maybe less of a package than they would normally accept for that type of player. So with that in mind, what, what do you think it would cost? Like, again, this is a total stab in the dark, but what kind of package, because I know... You always think about these things. What kind of package do you have in your head for what it might cost the Phillies to get Chris Bryant? Um, well, let me just get this out there. I would put I would put Baum in a Bryant deal, uh, no doubt about it. I would too. Uh, I mean, Baum would would have to be in the deal. I mean, you're you, hoping that Baum becomes Bryant. <laughs> I mean, right? You're you're yeah. you are hoping, and Alec he'll Baum. never be him defensively ever. No, he he won't be. So you're hoping that Alec Bohm can be Chris Bryant one day. And if you're the Cubs, if you're the Cubs, like sure you're you're giving up Chris Bryant. But if if you're getting a kind of uh, offensive bat that Chris Bryant was, like that's not the worst trade off in the world. Um, like you look at Chris Bryant's suitors, you know it's like us, the Braves, um, the Nationals. If if they don't sign Donaldson and and Rendon goes elsewhere, the Reds they, they can never get enough third baseman. No, well, yeah, right. Then, you know, <laughs> maybe Brian can play shortstop for them. You know, they just love putting third baseman where they aren't supposed to be. Um, I, I think it could cost like Bohm, Medina, and another piece. And I, I, I don't think it would cost as much as as you know, Bohm and Howard. I don't think that would be, I don't think that would be the cost to get um, Chris Bryant. I think it would be Bohm a lower level or not a, a, a tier below Spencer Howard. And then another guy kind of thrown in there to, to bring in, to bring in Chris Bryant. I don't think it's going to cost as much as people think it might cost on the service to bring in Chris Bryant. Um, and of all the, of all the moves left on the table, I kind of feel like Chris Bryant is the most, um, the most likely of the moves left. Like I think, I think Rendon's going to the Rangers. I think Cole's going to the Yankees. I think Lindor's staying put. I think Mookie's staying put. You're talking of like the, the big, big moves. 
Because I think right. the most likely moves are some middle relievers and another lower tier pitcher or whatever. But you're talking if the Phillies are going to make a big move, that of those ones, Chris Bryant makes is the most likely. And I think it just makes the most sense for this team, you know. And I and I, I and the Boris the, connection again too. Right, and and the one thing you brought up earlier in the week that was off the podcast, but that keeps coming back in my head is like. The Phillies jumped in the Rendon sweepstakes fakely to jump up the price and help out Scott Boris. Uh, maybe they're being this fake mystery team to help Scott Boris get more money out of the other teams. Now it's time for Scott Boris yeah, to return the favor. I like that. That was my theory, the idea that that the Phillies are saying, yeah, you could throw us in the Rendon thing. Use us. You know, we're we're not going to pay it eventually, but use us. Bounce stuff off us, you know, whatever. And and that's a good point. You said to me, what are the Phillies going to happen? And I'm like, well, you know, you just want to be tight with Boris, you know, whatever that guy wants, make it happen. But uh, I think it's a good point, you know, I think. And 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 Scott Boris is the absolute person who will get Chris Bryant out of Chicago. Um, you know, it won't be the GMs. It'll be Scott Boris. Yeah, and you would think that paying Jake Arrieta twenty five million dollars a year—that's another would, would one. An, yeah, <laughs> would be enough be to like you're welcome, to, Scott, to, to entice Scott. But apparently, we got to do a little bit more. And listen, man, if that little bit more is Chris Bryan, I don't care. I don't care. I just, I just want Chris Bryan here. I, I need Chris Bryan here. It would be the perfect cap to a perfect offseason. Pitching be damned. This would be a better rotation than the 08 rotation. They can win this way. Just go out and mash teams. I dude, we talk. We always talk about that. Be fun. And we thought that's what that was going to be last year. And then yeah, well, it looked good for a month. It, it looked did. good for about a month. Yeah, well, it looked certainly good for our opening weekend. All right, uh, Fritzy, what else you got in the note bag uh, before the final thoughts, if anything? Well, um, since this might be our uh, should I, should I should I act as if this is our last podcast of the week? Yeah, I mean, unless something else happens. But, we're, we, you know, look, who knows? If the Phillies make a move, we'll obviously be back, you know, unless it's like, you know, they sign some guy no one's ever heard of. But um, if if they don't do anything, yeah, we probably won't do another pod. Okay, so I'll get I'll, – I'll, you know what? I'll just get it out of the way now. Um, Go for it, buddy. My, 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 first, um, my first note bag thing. Is trade for Chris Bryant. I need Chris Bryant here. It would be amazing. And I'm, I'm so your first note done. bag thing is that we just did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, you're doubling I down. To, I, I just want to do the. I want to do the the emergency podcast for the Chris Bryant trade. Um, my real first note bag point is that over the weekend, I had a dream, and the Phillies were in the playoffs, and the rally towels are going, and it was amazing. And I was just so happy watching the Phillies in the postseason. And then me and you got in a fight about recording after the playoff games. <laughs> and, you, and you didn't want to record after the playoff games. So I would just like for you to apologize to me for <laughs> in my dream well, saying I, that you were I've not going to record. I almost feel like you should be apologizing to me for your subconscious in your dream creating a me who would say that he wouldn't record after a playoff game because I would obviously record after a playoff game. So I actually think you owe me an apology if we're going to be real about this. Well, judging by your actions before this podcast, I don't know if that can be trusted. Are, are, are we recording right now? Are we talking? 
Is this happening? I don't know. Is this, is this a I don't know, man. Is this in my dream, your imagination right now or what? I don't know, man. In my dream, you were like, oh, Zoe, I'm sick. Uh, <laughs> I am sick. And I, Zoe. <laughs> All right, what's your second note back at him? I don't even know uh, if you really had this dream or if you're just messing with me. No, I really did have this dream. I really did. I woke up the next morning like, ah. Oh, the Phillies were in the playoffs. And then I was like, ah, damn, that was a dream. But then they signed Didi Gregorius, and I was like, we're getting closer. Closer. It's it's <laughs> it's real. It's real. We're getting closer. Um, So this is going to be my my final thought um, along with my final note back point. So I watched two Wheeler starts over the weekend. And I'm, I'm really excited for Zach Wheeler. Um, I'm excited to see what Brian Price will do with him. But I, I, I realized I realized why he hasn't been as dominant as he should be given his stuff. And it really comes down to his fastball location. You know, um, for a guy with as simple and smooth and, and as great of mechanics as Zach Wheeler has, um, like his fastball location, like he'll try to hit an outside corner against a right-handed hitter. He'll try to go glove side. And instead of going glove side, the he'll just end up running in on a right-handed batter's hands and – Sure, when you throw 97, 98, oftentimes you get away with that. Um, but it is still you're able to make contact on it. And just in watching a lot of Wheeler over the weekend, it's like, it's like, man, if you could figure out your 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 fastball location, there's a whole nother level of Zach Wheeler that that we haven't really seen yet. So um, fastball location is kind of hard to teach. It's kind of like either you have fastball location or you don't. Um, but like that's, so what, what, while I was, why I was so, I guess, concerned was about the strikeout numbers. Like this guy should be striking out 200 plus guys a year. It it should, he should be able to just roll out of bed and strike out 200 plus guys a year. And he really wasn't doing that. And in watching him this weekend, it kind of made sense. It was like, oh, well, his fastball location's off. So if his fastball location's off, then he can't set up his other pitches because everything kind of works off his fastball. So hopefully the Phillies can work with him and get him to be able to, to locate his fastball more consistently. Um, but at the moment, the reason why Zach Wheeler is not as dominant as he should be is not a splitter, not using a slider more. It is, in fact, poor fastball location. And uh, I hope they, I hope they can get it out of them. But doesn't sound uh, super out. It almost feels like it should. It'd be much better if it were just needs another pitch type of thing. Yeah, well, like fastball location is kind of hard to teach. It's just, it's just kind of hard to teach. But like even without fastball location being as awesome as it, it could be, he throws ninety seven every pitch. Uh, you know, yeah, right. Like he's still a really, really good pitcher, and um, I think there I have fully convinced myself that he's gonna completely break out here and i'm shocked i mean you really you're you're never optimistic like that i've already started picturing him um in playoff games and once Mm -hmm. once i start pick once i start picturing you in playoff games it's just about all over oh man all right uh rate and review the podcast yeah for stuff like that for the dreams all of it, and it makes Jack happy. Uh, my final thought, uh, Ted Simmons, congratulations for getting the Hall of Fame, but my final thought is 
is about Marvin Miller and the fact that uh, finally, uh, a shame after the man has passed away, but uh, Marvin Miller finally getting elected to the Hall of Fame. I, it's, I don't even know why they had a Hall of Fame if Marvin Miller's not going to be in it. Uh, head of the Players Union, uh, mid-60s to early 80s, uh, I think. Um, basically, the reason... I you always hear me say like oh players union one of the strongest unions in the country that's cousin Marvin Miller like that's the guy who made the players union one of the strongest unions in the country the collective first collective bargaining agreement that was that dude free agency that guy Marvin Miller is so responsible for baseball as we know it today and the fact that he was not in the Hall of Fame was really I, I think I saw I can't remember what I saw I want to say maybe Jeff Pass and someone phrased it as the hall's biggest travesty. And like, I couldn't argue with it. Even as someone who, who you've heard me rant like crazy about the fact that Barry Bonds not being in the Hall of Fame delegitimizes the whole thing to me. Uh, Marvin Miller was probably worse. Like that dude deserved to be in it even more. Um, so even though it's a shame it took so long and, um, you know, it's a shame that he passed away before it could happen. Um, it is uh, the right thing to do to put Marvin Miller in the Hall of Fame. so And, and uh, going off of uh, Marlon, Marvin Miller being in the Hall of Fame, let me just say, like, Scott Boris should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree, 100%. No question. So it kind of opens the door for him in a way. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll all be saying that when, when he brings Boris Adelphia a championship in the next few years. You're darn right. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is very nice that, that this, this hot stove actually seems hot. Yeah. Oh my. Oh, how about just for this year? I mean, we were waiting to do an emergency podcast for six months. It felt like. I mean, this year it's like stuff's happening. It's fun. Yeah. Now it's we're good. now we're the doing winter D- meetings D- are D- like a thing now. It's it's good. Yeah. We're doing D D uh, emergency podcasts. Yes. Um, you know it's it's great. It's great. It's really it it's really really great. All right. Uh, it's been fun. I'm going to bed. Until next time, he spreads himself. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>